Hi, I'm AJ Jones. Welcome to the podcast for Goodly Church. Together with my husband, Alan, we are starting a new church in the greater Nashville area. The episode you're about to listen to is from the meetings we've been doing with our launch team each week. We're making these available online because one of the very first things we felt the Lord asked us to do was to have an online expression of the church. So as we're launching our church in person, we also wanted to launch it online too. This week, what I want to talk about is the Goodly Welcome Team of which, to varying degrees, we're all going to be a part of, because we are it until we have more, all right? So remember what we said in our very first week of our training. We want people, when they come to Goodly, to step into a warm, relaxed, and welcoming environment. And that's what our team is going to do. And here's what I've learned is you will never have a warm, relaxed, and welcoming environment without intentional effort. Even if you're naturally hospitable, you're not powerful enough to influence the whole culture. So we all need to be on the same page. We all need to be putting in intention. And what intention is, is basically the sum of a thousand tiny decisions. And I want to talk about some of those decisions this week. So not only are we trying to make sure it's a warm, relaxed, and welcoming environment, but we also want to keep an eye on security. It's sad that we live in a world where we have to think about that, but in our effort to ensure that we're caring for people and they're having a warm environment, we're also keeping one eye on what might be happening. Everything I'm going to share with you today is going to be evolving continually. I like to think about what we're going to be doing like Apple does. They release something, they refine it, and they produce a better and better version. Okay, so this is is version one of our welcome team. Let me start, just quick overview, six main roles on a welcome team, and I'll talk you through each of them. I don't know your passion for this, and I know we're not really reading the Bible, but I hope you get a vision for it and get excited about how we can host our city, how we can host people and create a warm, welcoming environment for them. The very first people that people are ever going to come into contact with is our parking heroes. People in our parking lot are not just helping people park. They are the first line of welcome. We're so happy that you're here. When people come to our church, they're going to be bewildered because they've never been here before. They don't know where to park. They don't know where to go once they've parked. Good luck trying to find where those stairs are. Like if you go on Google Maps, you literally can't see it because of the foliage. It's a super narrow set of staircase. So they're going to be helping. They're going to be offering umbrellas if it's raining. They're going to be creating the first impression of like, oh my gosh, this church cares. Then we're going to have greeters. Greeters just stand out of the door. And as you can realize, we keep our doors locked and we really want to honor the church and asking us to do that. But it's a bit of a pain. But we're going to work around it and we're going to realize actually it's brilliant because it's a pause. We get to greet people and it's beautiful. Hosts. Just think ushers. They're going to be greeters that are inside. They're going to be in the auditorium. Then we're going to have a question desk where we just ask, answer people's questions at the end of the service. And then we're going to have follow-up, which is one of my favorite things. I may have spent the better part of the last two days completely nerding out about this. And I probably need to step away. My wife was just like, yeah, you, you probably need to go outside and maybe touch grass and... <laughs> When was the last time you drank and or bathed? Okay, because I got super into it. And then number six, we're going to have a point person. That is the one person who all the news of the days comes to. So these are the six things we're going to have. Let's start with our parking heroes. 
The parking heroes are literally the first people our guests will encounter. And our heart is to be proactive in caring for people. But I don't know if you've noticed, we have a couple of obstacles facing us on this property. Our main problem is that there are three entrances to the car park from Old Hickory Boulevard, and yet only one of them is actually any use. We have ordered some big flags to direct people to the YMCA entrance. So as people are driving, they're gonna see these giant flags that say goodly. They're gonna know that's where they're gonna come in, which is beautiful. But our next problem is it's not immediately obvious how to get to the Wallace Chapel once you're in the car park. Because is the Wallace Chapel the big YMCA? Is it here? Because as you drive in, it says Carson Hall. It doesn't say Wallace Chapel until you get around the corner. So we have ordered a sandwich board you know, like an A-frame board that goes at the top of the stairs that says, hey, welcome. And what's beautiful is we're going to have a parking hero saying hi as people come in. Just, hey, it's good to see you. So glad you're here. Park anywhere you like. Look for a sandwich board. You're greeting them. You're smiling. And then if we can swing it, because I don't know how many people we have, ideally we'd love to have a minimum of two people. And the second parking hero can say hi to people, can park them if we, if we need that. It's a pretty big parking lot. I try to count the spaces. And just directing people to the top of the stairs. So that is our parking heroes. Our next level of defense, not defense, next level of welcome, is our greeters. So as I mentioned, Wallace Chapel have asked that we keep those doors locked and keep them shut for security. We do want to honor the request. But we also want to be welcoming. So if you're scheduled to be a greeter, it'll be your job to stand at that door, look for people coming down the stores, down the stairs rather, open that door, huge big smile, lots of eye contact, so happy that you're here, welcome to Goodly. And you're gonna be anticipating and meeting potential needs. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, if, if they've got kids, you can say, hey, we're so glad you're here, kids, we've got Goodly kids. Mom, dad, you just wanna come here and go downstairs, that's where you check your kids in. If they're on their own, you might say, hey, are you meeting somebody here? Would you, like to, you know, would you like me to arrange someone to sit with? Or here's where you go. You're anticipating, you're thinking about what they might need and you're checking with them again. Warm, welcoming, and relaxed. But also, from a security perspective, just another layer of observation, I forgot to mention this, our parking heroes are paying attention to, is there something that feels off? What do we mean by off? Well, is it the middle of July in Tennessee and someone's coming in with a big overcoat? When they drove up in their car, was there something about the car that looked shifty? Again, story time. At one of the churches I've worked at before, a, a van, like a van, like a painter's van, pulled in, parked at the bottom lower lot of our parking lot. Its number plate was taped over and the two guys that get out just wanted to be in the children's ministry. So by the time they'd got out of the car, our parking hero had already flagged them. It was my job to go down and meet with them. So I've already got a heads up, hey, there's something that happened. And then my children's pastor's texting me going, I've got two guys here who are coming into the classroom just wanting to dance with the children. So now I'm going down going, hey guys, what's going on? And eventually asked them to leave, at which point, literally, they shook the dust from their shoes and left in their van with a blacked out number plate. Okay, so that, that, those type of things, right? Is it sketchy? Pay attention to what your body is saying. You're not a bad person. You're just going to feed that information to the point person. 
Same thing with greeters. Is there something that you're feeling that doesn't feel right? Is the spouses arguing? Are they coming down the stairs not expecting somebody to hear? And the husband is really aggressive? Pay attention to that. Like just make a note of it. We're not trying to shame anybody. We might not ever do anything about it, but forewarned is forearmed. Is that right? Do we really want to be armed? Forget that metaphor. We want to be aware so that we can care for people. All right, that's our greeters. Our hosts, this is what you expect an usher to be. They're like a greeter, but they'll be floating in the hallway. They'll be floating in here. Their whole job is just to look out for people who might have a question. So they're helping them find the restrooms or the children's check-in, helping them find seats. They're just answering any questions. They're being very, very proactive and present. So they're keeping an eye out. They're engaging. They're happy. Ideally, we want three people two in the sanctuary, one floating. And again, just another thing they're observing, they're feeding any red flags to the point person. We good? All right. Our question desk, this is at the end of the service. It's gonna be outside, you know, that's gonna be the most trafficked area. People going downstairs to pick up their kids, ladies going across the restroom over there. But again, the idea is that they're just there at the end of the service to answer any questions. Did somebody say something in the service they want more information about? Can we direct people out there? Hey, we're having a church picnic, go out to our, our question desk if you've got questions about that, that type of stuff. It would also be good if we can get these people to help people download our church center app so that they can be communicated with, they can fill out forms, etc. And really they're just stewarding directions. That's at the end of the service. Now this might be one of my favorites. It's follow-up. The reason I love follow-up is because we're sowing into the future of our church. I think I mentioned this earlier. It takes tremendous courage to come to a new church. Like this week, I've had several of my friends, these are my friends, come to me and say, I will not be coming to your church when it opens. I'm like, that's, you already have a church, that, that's great. But as I dig a little deeper, like talking about that, what's like pushing that out? What they're saying is, I don't know who's gonna be there. Who will I know? And to come to a church is like, I don't know what it's gonna be like. I don't know if they're weirdos, I've heard things. Where are the exits? Will my kids be safe? So if someone shows up here, they've taken huge steps to be here. We don't just want them to have a great time while they're here. We actually want to lower the barrier of entry for them to return. Our heart is how can we resource these people for a life of beauty in God? And the beauty is we're following up with people who have told us I want to be followed up with. So it's not pushy, it's not sales, we're not trying to steal sheep, it's not awkward. These are people who have proactively said, here are my contact informations, please contact me. And so here's how that works, is during the service at some point there'll be a QR code up on the screens where people can snap a QR code, they can give us some details about what do you need from us? Do you, do, do you need prayer? Would you like a pastor to reach out to you? Would you like to learn more about the church? Are you interested in giving your life to Jesus? Whatever, right? They, but they reach out, they give us their details, and this team will meet that need of connection. We're supporting their journey from being a guest for the first time into the core of the church. Remember this from a couple of weeks ago. We're helping them step through these things. Because how many of you have been at a church where you're like, I just don't know how to connect? Like I come and I like the worship, but I don't know anybody and I don't know how to move into it. And uh, the avenues seem like a mystery and some people seem to get connected and I just get lost. We want to avoid that feeling. 
And then the last one, the last role, is this point person. And the main role of the point person is just triage on a Sunday. All the things that might happen on a Sunday flow toward this person. All right, so let's say Isaac is the point person for the first day that we open. If the bathrooms are overflowing, if there's no hand towels there, if there's somebody that's super sketchy that showed up, if there's somebody claiming to be the son of God that wants to dance with the children of the children's ministry, Isaac is going to be the person who knows about these things, right? And here's what's important is it's not Isaac's job to solve those problems. He can troubleshoot the small things if they're easy. But if they're big things, he's just going to outsource them to other people. We just need one person who knows about everything that's going on. Right? So if you're like, hey, I'm arriving late today. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be anybody for the door. We know a point person who's going to be able to, hey, just text Isaac when you get here. And the beauty is you're going to be able to look it up and see who the point person is. But the beauty of this thing is it's one person who knows all. All things flow to this person. And after the service, AJ and I get to debrief with this person. Hey, what's working? What's not working? Where are the friction points? What can we work on? But also, what are the testimonies? What cool things happen? How many people got saved? Who's interested in this, that, and the next thing? So that, when we talk about a welcome team, there are six discrete roles. Now, I have to slow down because I can feel myself breathless with excitement. And I also want to engage with you. And there's about 20 feet of gap between me and you. But that's the various roles that we're gonna uh, use that are gonna make up our welcome team to ensure by intentional effort, people feel loved and cared for and don't fall through the cracks. We talk a little bit about etiquette. No matter which role you're on, here's some things we want you to be aware of, right? All of us need to be aware of. I need to be aware of this, good Lord. Number one, we are communicating all of the time. Our I, Contact, our tone of voice, our body language says things that are either congruent with what our words are saying or different. For example, how many of you have ever been to a restaurant and the waiter or the waitress have said all the right things, but their body language is basically communicating, I wish you were dead and you weren't in my section. So we want to pay attention to that. Second thing is, and this is hard for me, I have a, you know, a minor level of ADD where I'm just like, oh, who's shiny? Like, what's going on? Be present with who you're with. So if you're in the parking lot, if you're a greeter, if you're an usher, if you're, if you're at the question table, be present with the person that you're with instead of looking for the next person. Sometimes that's out of care. It's like, I'm with this person, but I don't want this person to feel rejected. It's all right. It's okay, this person knows that you're with, with this person. It's going to be okay. So another thing to watch that falls under this category is be careful. If you're on a roll, don't engage in conversations in a deep level with people you already know. Right? So it's fun to see your friends at church, but if you're serving that Sunday, and if we tell this to everybody, everybody will understand that Mike is not being a jerk because he doesn't want to talk to me about my excitement for the Super Bowl. I have no except for the ads tomorrow, right? Mike is going to understand, or I'm going to understand why Mike doesn't want to connect with me because he's connecting with somebody new. Mike is working at this point. So that's number two. Number three, please don't be on your phone except for obvious reasons. Like if you're checking somebody in to childcare, or if you're helping them find a resource, or you're showing, of course, 
But one of the worst things that you can experience in a restaurant is walking up and the host or the hostess stands on their phone and doesn't get off the phone until you're right in front of them as if they're like exercising all the efficiency they need to finish whatever they're doing on the phone. And they're like, hi, you know, welcome to so-and-so. So if we're on the front desk, or it's not front desk, if we're at the door, let's not be on our phone if we know people are arriving. We want to be engaging with them and not engaging with our phone. Uh, I already mentioned this. Don't get in conversations with people you already know. And here's a fun one. Be welcoming even when you're not on duty. So if it's your day off and you're just in the congregation as a congregant, but you see somebody who's looking lost or you see one of your friends or colleagues who are, who are ushering that day or greeting that day, make yourself, hey, would you like to sit with me? Okay, we can always be communicating and always be loving. There is a tremendous power behind the questions that we ask. And actually, if done well, what you don't know can help your relationship with new people. But like all power, our questions can be used to harm or they can be used to help. So let's start with avoid questions like these ones, like are you married, are you single, do you have kids, where do you currently go to church? People's response to these questions, like they may not be bothered by that, it may be really hurtful or a painful point of their story. So avoid those questions and then ask questions like this, which are engaging. Like, are you meeting people here? So you can work out how much energy that you're going to devote to helping this person. If, they, if, they're, if they're just like, oh, please, just leave. I'm okay. I'm actually highly introverted. And you ask me all these questions, drive me nuts. If they say, yeah, I'm meeting people, you're like, great. And just give you space knowing they're going to be okay when their tribe arrive. How did you learn about us? It's a nice open-ended question that you can engage with people. But just paying attention to the questions that we ask, the energy we have when we ask them, is really, really helpful. Because sometimes the reason we're talking to them is not to make them feel peaceful, but it's to get us peaceful because we're nervous doing a job and we feel awkward. Lastly, just a note about trauma-informed care. We wanna be wise, caring people. Number one, don't automatically touch people. So don't reach out for a hug. You know, you might think, oh, we're being so welcoming. And you're like, yeah, that could be hostile to some people. Don't automatically go in to lay on hands. If the person's of a different ethnicity than you, absolutely, under no circumstances, ask if you can touch their hair or their skin or reach out to them. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it happens. All right, so we don't want to automatically touch people. Watch your space. Here's an example for that. Um, Gosh, all the people in this room are not going to be bothered by this at all. But Micah, can you come up here for a second? Let's, let's, go, let's go here. Can you walk up as comfortable as you are being with me? This is how comfortable you are being with me? What happens if I close the gap? Right? Belly to belly, right? He, right? It's awkward, but how many times have you been in a church where somebody's enthusiastic to be on that team, but you're doing this dance, and they're not picking up what you're... And you're just moving around the room. So pay attention to the space that you keep between people. Pay attention to what's going on inside of you. I talked about this last week. It's one of the key, key things. But a lot of us, I include myself in this, at time, live our days distracted from what's going on with us. So we might be anxious and not know we're anxious. But everybody else around you is feeling your anxiety and you might think, no, I'm just caring. Care doesn't look like that, all right? So pay attention, just you know, begin to ask yourself, where am I? 
What's going on inside of me? Am I living in tomorrow? Am I here? If you're distracted, you'll feel distracted. If you're anxious, you'll feel anxious. And then number four, watch for racial insensitivities, especially well-meaning efforts to not be insensitive. What do I mean by racial insensitivities? I was out for lunch, AJ and I were out for lunch a couple of weeks ago with a lovely couple that we love to pieces and we're, we're having lunch with them, it was a really good lunch. And as we finish, as we're leaving, we notice an African-American woman sitting at this table and we're checking out, but to my absolute horror, my friend, a rather elderly gentleman, walks over and begins to talk to her about her hair. Now, how did you get your hair like that? Is that a wig and can I touch that? And I'm just like, oh my God, what is happening right now? His intent is to say, look how approachable I am as an old white man. Look how, uh, look how I'm not threatened to be with you. Look how you're not offensive to me. His intent was to be inclusive. His impact was this woman was like, please, <laughs> you know, and he couldn't, he just couldn't see it. So we're, we have the benefit of being able to ask people like, what's it like? And universally the feedback is, People of color don't want to hear you comment on their hair or their skin, even if it's kind, like you have really beautiful skin. If it's not something you'd say to a white person, don't automatically assume you have a license to say it to somebody who's not white. It just raises the thing of, oh, I'm not like you. Some other racial insensitivities, which you might think are being kind, but the question could be interpreted in a different way. Like, where are you from? No, where are you really from? Huh? insinuates you don't belong here. I've had this and I'm, I'm white. I've heard somebody say, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Scotland. And they're like, but you speak such good English. And I'm like, okay. So if you have to say to somebody, you speak such good English, again, you're pointing out, you don't really belong here. Back to point number three, pay attention to what's going on inside of you. If you have anxiety, about being insensitive around a person of color, it's likely you will be by overcompensating. Does that make sense? You're gonna, you're gonna go the extra mile to show, I am not a racist person. People who are not racist don't need to announce they're not racist. <laughs> it's you know the whole thing we think the lady doth protest too much. So don't lead with, well, I have lots of black friends. Like, I, you know, I'm not a racist. I actually don't see color. All those statements are about you, not about them, and they're not going to be interpreted well. Watch, also pay attention to this. Do you code switch when speaking to somebody who's not of the same color as you? What do I mean by code switch? So I might walk up to Wes and just say, hey, Wes, could you stand up? I might walk up, hey, Wes, how are you, my friend? Good to see you. I might give him a hug. But I might see Micah, and I might be like, what's up, bro? How are you, my friend? Huh? What's up, bro? How are things? And suddenly I'm like using language that I think, oh, that, that might help him. P.S. I'm probably completely clueless that's going on. Right? It could be my internal anxiety. I could think it's being helpful. I could think it's a form of outreach. All research says don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Um, it's very, very hard, but it's an important step in our maturity across the world not just in racial intelligence, but to raise our awareness between the difference between our intent and our impact. So our intent might be to make sure that the woman who's leaving goodly and it's dark at night feels safe as we walk her to her car. 
And so without asking, we just think, I'll walk you to your car. My intent is good. But the impact might be, oh my God, why is this big man walking me to the car in a dark car park? Like, oh my gosh, why is she overreacting? People don't know our intent, but they do feel our impact. And so as we grow, it's important to distinguish between those two things. So remember I said that, you know, release, then iterate. The, you know, we're going, to be, we're going to be refining this thing for years. Like, what about this? What about this? What about this? And I love that. So I love it. It helps us think better when you ask us these questions, but things we haven't thought about or, oh, that's a great perspective we hadn't considered. So we love that. Father, would you bless, uh, would you bless us, Lord? Would you bless us as we figure out all these things that are super important? And would you help us be wise? Would you help us be godly? And would you help us be joyful, Lord, in the process. I thank you for this team, Lord. I thank you for this call that you've given us. And Lord, we look forward to being able to open our doors and represent you well and steward the kingdom of earth in this little room. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode. We'd love to hear from you wherever you are in the world. To get in touch, visit us online at goodly.church.